One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Joined with a legend of television and film, the one, the only, Vass Blackwood. What would you say was your sort of first big break? Say Lenny Henry show. Then you end up being cast in Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. And not a lot of people know this. When Vinnie Jones left the whole world of, of football, he was looking for things to do. And Terry, what's this I hear about you wanting to steal my cannabis and sell it back to me? Is this a declaration of war? Me and Vass had, had a little bit of beef. Brad Pitt turned up and we are all around the pool. Did he Dustin Hoffman you? Did he come no, out to you? No, no, no. He didn't. Turns out to be sour. Right, that's like a pussy. He'd done my, <laughs> all my life. Air paths collided in 2004 and rolling with the night. My missus was like really nervous and as we walking out, everyone's going, that's what they're like. That's, that's what they're like. <laughs> Ed Sheeran plays a crackhead in this. He's really good in this film, right? <laughs> the goat is a bit weird. Yeah, there's no goat. There's no goat. <laughs> Yesterday I was bagging bodies in Afghanistan. Today I'm pouring wine for Rory Breaker. <laughs> and there's lots of things we've talked about in this podcast. People will go, we didn't know that about Basque. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I want to say a big thank you to all their sponsors for making this podcast happen. Without you, we wouldn't be here. Stargaze Entertainment, thank you so much. These guys are hosting celebrity events up and down the country, giving you the opportunity to get up close and personal with your favorite celebrities. Sure Pure CBD, your natural path to wellness and balance. Dream mentoring for your mentoring needs. If you need some positivity in your life, Tom Smith is the man. And finally, to Carson and Casey solicitors, the UK's leading criminal law firm to help get you out of any tricky situations you may find yourself in after watching this podcast. To find out more about any of our sponsors, click on the links in the description below. Welcome back to the Criminal Connection podcast. And today I'm joined with a legend of television and film, the one, the only, Vass Blackwood, my brother from another mother. <laughs> How are you, Vass? Happy. Happy to be here with you, Terry. I'm happy for you to be here as well. Thank you. Thank you. Really um, happy to be here. Yeah, so uh, what I've always been fascinated about with you, Vass, is I grew up watching Lenny Henry show, yeah. right? And obviously you played that character, Winston, and, and I grew up on that. I hate to be like a fanboy, but um, you were one of my favourite actors <laughs> growing up as a kid. But going back, Vass, you know, what, what actually made you want to act? What was the calling? I did a little bit of drama at school. You know, like sort of uh, 13, sort of like that age, O-level type of acting, you know, at school. Right. And then um, I started, where, where, where I went to school and to where I kind of hung out, which was, I was more in Kentish Town, North London, and my school was in Mornington Crescent, which is North London again, but it's more going into, the, into, into town. And most of my friends in the sort of sort of Camden, Hampstead, Kentish Town, all of that area, I would hang out more with them than people that I hung out with really at school. And a lot of them were, uh, they went to a school called Ackland Burley, where my son goes actually. And um, that was very drama orientated, that school right. and the arts. So a lot of my friends that I hung out with generally after school were into the acting. Right. There was a place called Whack, which is the Weekends Art Centre, which is in Belsize Park, right. which is still there. Very good place, Whack, and uh, subsidise. Every year they're fighting the, the sort of the government, you know, to make sure you know children can go to acting classes for two, three pounds fifty, singing classes, get great training, teaching. You're not um, <clears throat> made to believe you're anything special. Right. It's one of those places. And it's really good, very grounded, but you get the best teaching in the arts. And I went there on the weekends. So basically I kind of was doing a little bit, but not too much. Right. And uh, I suppose after leaving school, sort of 16, 17, I, I decided to get involved in, um, I was gonna get involved in the hotel business, right. catering, management. And I got a really good um, job appointment where I could do a, a degree and also work 
with uh, like kind of a, like a, under a trust house is 40 type of system. But whilst doing that, I kind of made up my mind. I remember I was on a 137 bus and I was driving through, the bus was going through Sloan Squares. Oddly enough, I can remember it. And I just, there was a girl who was doing the same course as me who was also a makeup artist. And we always used to have a chat because I've always had that love from a teenager and a youngster for the acting, I suppose. And I used to talk to her a little bit about her, what she was doing. And she said, oh, I did this little film shoot. And, but she was still training to go into management in the hotel industry. I remember I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go to the acting. And at the time, my parents had just divorced and <clears throat> there was a little bit of money floating around. And I remember talking to my dad and my mum separately about it. And I said, you know, I want to try the acting. And I just started that vocation that I was going into. Even, and now, I'm, I mean, I love cooking. Right. I've always loved cooking, but yeah. So uh, they just supported me and said, "Okay," because you need. I needed some money to get into a drama school, right? And they gave me the money, and then it went from there. What drama school did you go to? I went to a place called Alra, right? Academy okay. of Live and Recorded Arts, right? But I didn't stay very long, right? <laughs> <laughs> was that because you didn't like it, or was that because you got an opportunity to? I felt as though I was being. Um... Okay, so this drama school there was. Not, I wouldn't say it was draconian, but it was there were there were sort of they were doing things there that whack weekends art centre, which I was still going to. Was right. saying like you know there's a thing called bone props, right. and these bone props you could actually get them in the drum in the Frenchies and these theatricals um, right. shops where there's like a little it's like a little bone, a little small bone, it's a right. few inches long, and you put it in your mouth like that, right, and it's 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 for your diction, it's for your diction, right, and. I remember at WAC they were saying to me, no, no, those things are banned. You can't be using those things anymore because it can give you throat cancer, it can do this, it can, right. it's bad for your larynx and, and your throat. You can't right. do that. And I said, no, but they're using them. They said, no, 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 that's old-fashioned, that's gone. Because right, right. WAC, as I said, were very sort of free thinkers and um, no, you know. You Did they ever ask you to be a tree? At Alra, <laughs> at Alra. Well, I'm going to tell you a story about Alra. I'll tell you when I decided to leave Alra. Because they used to give me a hard time because I was one of the youngest there and there was like actors that were there that, that were in the industry but had come back to learn the drums. So they were in their 30s. Right. I was 18. And there was even occasions where they say, like, you know, God stand in the corner with your hands on your head. Little things like that. Yeah, right, he used right. to give me a bit of a hard time. Right. And I remember one... But I used to behave myself when I was there. I knew I was behaving myself. Right. So, per se, this story now... Um, there was a girl there who was studying to do um, set design. Right. And she was a bit of a, I always, we used to talk a lot and she was real sort of like, like a bit of a hippie chick. Right. And uh, well, that's how I, that's how I talked to her and move on. Cause she wasn't in any of the acting classes. She was doing set design. So whenever the actors were doing things to do with sets or, cause we learned live and recorded arts, right. she would always be setting things up. And I remember one lunchtime, she said to me, oh, that's like, when followed her, and she was, went round the backs of their church hall. And she said, do you fancy some of this? She was smoking a spliff, right? Wow. But I never used to smoke spliff wow. at drama school, right? I mean, I'm a gang. You're behaving yourself. Behaving myself, <laughs> right? And I, was, I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I will say this here on this podcast right. because, you know, I, if young people are listening, I was proper focused. But I was a, I was a ganja baby, if you know what right, I mean, right. in my own little way. Whereas I am not now, but then I was. 
But I said, I knew I was behaving myself. Right. And I thought, you know what? I'm getting so much grief in this drama school. The teachers, the top principals don't like me. They give me such a hard time. I'm really trying to hold it together here and, um, yeah, give us some of that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I spoke to her. And she, you know, just because we got on anyway. We were just laughing, talking, talking. And then finished the spliff. And then I went back in. Is that how we're still going now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You made him smoke yeah, that yeah, spliff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still going now. So I just went, I went, I went back into the class. And it was a drama class. It was right. an improv. It was an acting drama class we right. had this time in particular. We used to have stage fighting class, but this was an acting drama. And the teacher, the head teacher, she said, OK, everyone now, lie down. And we all lied down, right? Lie on your backs. We all lie down on our backs. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. You're on a beach. You're on a beach. You hear the waves. You feel the sand in your hands. You feel the sand in your hands like you're doing that. Waves. The sun is beating on your skin. Feel that. Feel that. Doing all that. Doing all that. Doing all that. Then you hear footsteps. Someone stepping down steps. Strange. Stepping down steps. But sand. You're on a beach. And, and, the, and, 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 and the waves. And, and then... The steps, the stepping stops, and it's back to the sand, it's back to the beach, and you're slowly but surely waking up, waking up, waking up, until you've awoken. I remember waking up, and I was the last person to wake up, right, looking around, everyone had already, were already up. And then the T said, Master Blackwood. Said, yes, yes. You've been here at this drama school now for how many months, first term? And you've been, you've been a bit of a pain. But we've tried with you, Vasta. And today, for the first time today, it looks like you're listening. That was absolutely brilliant, Vasta. I just thought, fuck that, I'm stoned, I'm leaving this school. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm out of here. And I was like, really? Should... Amazing. Amazing. You are brilliant. That's the well done. Well done. Keep on going like that. <laughs> I was just thinking there for it was that spliff and I was just, that was it. So I went over and I said to my dad before I, I jumped before I was pushed. I said, you know what? I'm not going to, I think I'm going to leave the drive school because right. with my friends, we were going every Friday to the old Red Lion pub. Right. Pub theatre in Islington, St. John Street. And at the old Red Lion Theatre, I was mixing with Phil Daniels, you know, Quadrophenia had come out, Phil Davis, loads of actors, right. Paul Inquirk, um, um, Kathy Burke, Tilly, Sweeney, they, we, you know, Perry Fenwick. Right. It was a spot every right. Friday and Thursday, whenever, weekends. And there was a, then there was, there was a director there. I don't know if I should mention his name because he's been a bit of a naughty boy. But anyway, I will mention his name. Charlie Hansen, right. who was... Um, had just started the Black Theatre Cooperative. Right. And they had just got a commission from the Arts Council. Right. They had commissioned a writer called Farouk Dondi, went on to run the ethnic department at Channel 4, right. to write a play. So Charlie set up these workshops at the, um, the Ashantwa Centre, which was called The Factory, originally in right. Chippenham Muse. Right. So I, and because I, Charlie liked me, he just said, you know, come along to the, start coming to the workshops. 
and we I think we were getting a little bit of sub, a bit, little bit of money, a little bit of sort of like um, expenses to go. And I, for six, eight weeks, I went to the um, workshops and I was holding my own. And then the play got written. And when the play was written, there was a part for me in it, Mama Dragon. And that's how I got my equity card. Amazing. Yeah. But that, when I left Rada, uh, Alra, you know, yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. So, really. so, so you, you, you now got your equity card. And I got it at the same time. I tell you who was on that production, oddly enough, and she got her equity card at the same time as me. And she was doing the costume set, the, the costume design, Bella Freud. Oh, right. Yeah, Bella. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, it's all good. And then, so, so you've, you've now done your first sort of, you know, stage role. You, you, you've obviously got your equity card. And then what, was, what would you say was your sort of first big break? Well, yeah, so, okay, I'd say Lenny Henry show, oddly right. enough, because um, this is it. I mean, I come from the old school, so I did theatre, Shakespeare, RSC, National, all of that, touring in theatre. And then what happens is, as I tell any young actor, what happens is at the theatre, you'll find producers, directors and well-known faces, actors, they come right. and watch you perform. Right. And Lenny Henry... We was performing at Riverside. I used to perform at Riverside Studios quite a lot. And at the time, Lenny was married to Dawn and right. Sir Lenny. And he was, um, they lived in Hammersmith. Right. And they used to come to the Riverside quite a bit just to watch a play, you know, right. as you do. And he saw me in a, in a play, which was a black theatre cooperative play. Right. And uh, he fancied me for the role of Winston. Amazing. And they called me in and it went from there. Yeah, very generic. I mean, that, that because I remember, <laughs> obviously, I remember you Only Fools and Horses, which is another massive... British institution, Lenny Henry show, obviously Lenny Henry, um, you know, British institution. Um, he, he definitely deserved his knighthood yeah, and, um, yeah, you yeah. know, great actor, yeah. you know, but, but, but what, what I find fascinating is, you know, you've kind of, you're this classically trained actor, you're basically a comedy actor, right? You're on, yeah. on TV and yeah. making people laugh and uh, what I find for me, just like intriguing is you go from being this classically trained actor to this, like you said, Ganja baby, <laughs> into this funny guy. And then you end up being cast in Lot Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and playing probably one of the most iconic gangster roles of all time, Roy Breaker. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, I remember like at the time going to the cinema and watching that. And obviously this was well before I even, you know, I, I think I, I'm pretty sure I was... I was running clubs at the time, yeah. right? So I remember going and seeing this film. I think I see it three times. I just laughed and laughed and laughed because obviously, see, because I remember I was like going, that's the guy from the Henry show. How did he go from that to that? Um, but love to hear the story about Lockstock. Well, yeah, thanks for that as well. Um, the guy used to, so I did the Lenny Henry show and Guy used to, he told me, he said that I used to come home from college and watch the Lenny Henry show. Right. And your dulcet tones, he said. I loved your dulcet <laughs> tones. And uh, they called me in for Lockstock. Because right. what happened with Lockstock, I think they were going to shoot one the, the year before. Right. And the money fell through. Right. So they were murdered, you know, just trying to find this money, trying to find, as you do, you know, for any right. film. And they wanted to make a statement. So the next year, they got the money. And the uh, guy was very much adamant. He was desperate to make this film. He wanted to make this film. He had it in him to make this film. He, did, he had this camera and he was messing around with the camera like so he could just do these. And it, the script, I remember the script was a little bit dissipated. It wasn't quite, there was things missing. And Matthew, Matthew did apologise. He said, look, the script, we're just tidying up the script. You know, we're tidying it up. 
But he said, yeah, but, you know, this is the role. And I looked at the role before I went into him. And then Guy said, can you just do a little bit, for, you know? And I did a little bit and he was like, it's okay, it's okay, he's filming it. It's okay, so I said, do you want me to do that bit? And no, it's okay. Yeah, and he literally offered me the role. Right. He said, because he, 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 knew, who, he knew who he wanted for each role. Right. And um, yeah, he said he, was, he fell in love with my work from Lenny Henry show. So, yeah, and we just went in, and, you know, in Lock, obviously with Lockstock, you know, it was all about, it was all, because he had an energy about him. And, I, and I, I'd, I'd been in the industry long enough to be able to read a director and understand what a director, to an extent, what they were like. And I felt as though what I've got to do is just go home, get this right, and come in and right. do it. There was a banter thing, but during the filming of Lockstock, so often people ask me whether it was, right. you have a laugh on set, but no, it was like, because he was, when I turned up with the Rory, you know, all the ca the television screens, the Rory set, guy was down there behind the monitor and it was really like, you know, get it. And I had it, I had it, I had it, I had it. I rehearsed it, I, I worked it. And uh, was it, was it, but that all that dialogue though, was that, was that written or was that a lot of that improvised or was it a combination of It was all written by a guy. Right, the only amazing. bit that wasn't written by a guy was when I say, Gamore Shistos Pesavengi, the Greek bits, right? And I said to him, listen, guy, because I grew up with a lot of like, I grew up with a lot of Irish people right. and a lot of Greek Cypriots, right, Kentish right, town, right. you know, Camden, all that area. And I said to him, guy, I said, listen, you know that bit where I'm greasy, what, blah, blah, blah. That's the way he had written it. Right. I said, I know some Greek. I know some Cypriot, man, you know, swear words. He said, right, I'll tell you what you do then. Do it my way, that's in the script, and then do it your way. And I'll decide in the edit. <laughs> and he went with the gum when it pays over English. It's amazing. Pushed it. yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. I mean, Guy Ritchie, I mean, you know, he's, he's obviously probably one of the UK's best directors, you know, and, and he's gone from doing like that sort of Lockstock, which was obviously a low budget film. Yeah. And it was one of the most iconic British gangster films of all time. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I mean, it made stars of obviously yourself, um, Vinny, Jason Statham, obviously Dexter Fletcher, who's gone on to be, being a, a director and doing some amazing work. Yeah. But, but you know, what, what, when, with, with Lockstock, I mean, you know, when you was talking about the financing, you know, how did that actually come about? I mean, because, like you said, Guy had written the script. I mean, had he had it for a while or, or was it something? Yeah. Well, he did. Yeah, he did. He, he, they had the script, him and Matthew. And um, they were obviously working in the capacity of writer, director and a producer, Matthew, you know. Matthew had contacts. He went to Stowe's school and he had these little contacts. And Matthew wanted to... And he also had some contact. He was brought up, I think it was uh, Robert Vaughan. Right. In Hollywood, you know, a stepfather. And Matthew was always very keen. So they had this script. And then what happened was, and not a lot of people know this, when Vinnie Jones left the whole world of acting, of, of football, sorry, he was looking for things to do. And Vinnie's always been a businessman. Yeah, absolutely. Very shrewd, grafter. And uh, he had heard that guy was doing this, had this script and throwing it around. And there was a couple of roles in there, you know, that he might be interested in. And he had a look and he saw the part of Big Chris. Right. And he said, look, yeah. So he, Vinnie Jones was the actual seed investor. Thank you, Vinny. Wow. And he put, I think he put about 100 grand in. He was the first person to invest in it. And as you know, Terry, because obviously you're in that world as well, film production, um, 
the seed investors, the one the most important, because that's when everyone else starts to pay, take that's interest. Sweet. So where Matthew said he had £100,000 now from Vinnie Jones, right. he then got Sting and Trudy Styler, Stephen Marks, French right. Connection, um, Harry Morton from Hard Rock Cafe, um, Steve Tisch, American X, one of the top right. biggest Hollywood producers out there, and the Tisch Furniture family, and Ungood Paul, who he went right. to school with. Who's a, whose parents are still magnets, but obviously the hard-working fella, and they put in, I think they put in about 250000 each. Wow. And then he had the money. They got I the money. What, that is probably the best investment yeah. Vinny could have made. Yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and do you know what Vinny's not just Not just from a, an investor's perspective, but also from an acting perspective. Yeah, that I, loved his, yeah that. I loved him in it. And I remember seeing it for the first time and I told Guy, I said to Guy, Vinny, Vinny is my favourite thing in this film. And he said, you're not too bad yourself. But I said, no, nah, Vinny, you know, really good. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Top draw. And Lenny, you know, Lenny McLean and whatnot. Yeah, Vinny was brilliant. They're all good. Everyone is good in that yeah. film, you know. It's a, it's a very good film. Have you got any any uh, any behind the scenes or on-set stories or anything funny you tell us or about from, it? From, from Lockstock, yeah. That people wouldn't know. Turned up on set. And as I said, I was taking it very seriously because I just knew there was something... I knew what he guy was like, right. and I just knew that I had to deliver. Right. So I was very focused on it. I remember the the first day, I turned up on set, and and all the bouncers, the bouncers came into the my my trailer, right? And they were like big, big black guys, right? And they all had bald heads. So I said, I said something to the makeup girl. I said, I think I should be wearing a wig. And she went, a wig. Yeah, can you ask Guy if I should? I think I should wear a wig because they've all got we've all got bald heads. Why don't we just? I should wear a wig. So she went and spoke to Guy, and he looked. I think it was it the day before, or was it on the day? It might have been a costume fitting and everything fitting. Yeah, and he said, "Yeah, get him a wig. Get him a wig. <laughs> get him a wig. Get him a wig." And that's how that's how we got the wig. Yeah. See, I thought that was your real hair. No, no, I did, I did have, you know, before, I, before you know, we all, it all happens, it happens. But before I did have an afro many years right, ago, right. many, many years ago. But yeah, yeah, so he said, get him a wig. Right. And they got me a wig and the rest is history. But yeah. I would say for me personally on fi filming with the Rory role, right. I, it was no real, um, we didn't, we took it very seriously. Right. So it's action, yeah, do it. And then I would always go to, I'd say, Guy, was that all right? He'd be behind the monitor all the time. And he'd, I'd say, Guy, is that all right? Because he'd be quiet all the time. Right. He'd be like, going, yeah, 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 fine, it's good, it's good. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, he's not saying anything, do you know? Because I, mean? right. I never knew quite, you know, but obviously it was all right. Yeah. It was more than all right. right. And, um, yeah, but I just, the experience that I took from that film, I, I have with me now, you know, because you've got to really do your homework. You've got to give us, you've got to give us a couple of your... Famous sounds from the film, just just for the listeners, because well, Terry, what's this I hear about you wanting to steal my cannabis and sell it back to me? <laughs> Is this a declaration of war? Is this some white cunts joke that black cunts don't get? Because I ain't fucking laughing, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> See, I mean, we could have been on a set of Lockstock right then. Right, right then. we were, we were, <laughs> we were. <laughs> um, and and we recently, me and Vass had had a little bit of beef. Um, we, we went to war 
We 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 was at Burgess Town Football Club. Oh yeah, we? <laughs> oh yeah. Where yeah. you realised? Well, well, actually, I realised I just couldn't play football. Well, you should have had me as your manager. I should I should have been managing it with you. I should have been yeah, your yeah, assistant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you did all right. You, your boys did well. Yeah. Oh. But um, what was funny was uh, there was this charity match. Um, Stargaze Entertainment are one of their sponsors for our up-and-coming gangster tour that you'll see me in Vasson. Stargaze, man. Um, we, uh, Kaz. We, yeah, Kaz, baby. Kaz, baby. <laughs> um, he decided he'd do this charity football match, and obviously it was Big John Fisher. Bosh. Bosh. <laughs> Versus back, Backwood. And uh, we're a little bit of banter online. Saying Vash is going to be drinking the milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, John, John, John. Yeah, try. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we actually had to drink the milk and it yeah. did taste very nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was all right. It was good fun, wasn't it? No, it was a good Mate, day. We've got a lot, money, lot, for lot of money for charity. Charity, yeah. Money yeah, for charity. yeah, yeah. That's what we do. Mm. Yeah. And um, and then obviously from, from Lockstock, obviously you did Mean Machine as well, which was. Um, yeah. Because Matthew then decided he was going to obviously direct, didn't he? Was that his directing debut? Or? No. Barry, Sol Barry Solnick directed that. Barry. And Barry's Solnick's um, background was from um, Sky Sky TV, right. Sky Football. Sorry, Matthew, Matthew. What was Matthew, Matthew Vaughan's first um, film he directed? Um, Layer Cake. Layer Cake. Layer Cake. Do you know what? Yeah, I always yeah, thought yeah. he directed yeah. it. I don't know why. No, 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 well, okay. well, well, no, because I mean, like, from Lockstock, people were saying, why would we, we used to say it to him? I used to say it to him all the time. You've got, you should direct. Because right. he just, no, because he was so good with actors. Because right. normally, I always, producers hate actors. I said, what is this all about? Why do producers hate actors? <laughs> they just hate <laughs> actors. And the exec producers, they can't stand actors. But right. yet they're throwing the money at us to act. Right. And they don't get them. Whereas with Matthew, right. he's really good with actors. I think it was that whole Lockstock, um, post-Lockstock journey right. and hanging out with him. And I say to him, Matthew, you've got to direct, man. Because you, right. you get on really well with actors. You should direct. Yeah, and he went on to direct, yeah. And uh, yeah, great Again, director. Matthew Vaughan is... Smashed it as well. I mean, he's a yeah. very well-established director. Yeah, he? a very well-established director. But do you know what? Those two, both Guy and Matthew, they were their own bosses then. Right. And I've got to give it to them. Yeah, man. They, they. I remember once we, we, I was down at one of their offices that they had, when, just when Lockstock was out, you know, and really doing well, and they were looking at doing other projects, and Hollywood were phoning them up, and it was one of the top execs from was it Warner, phoned up and Matthew was sitting there talking to me and um, one of the assistants, they kept saying, Matthew, Matthew it's what's his name, he's from Warner, he's, he wants to talk to you now. And then Matthew said, they tell him I'm busy. <laughs> he's talking to me about a load of shit. No, he's talking, he's talking to, he was actually talking to me about his date with Claudia Schaefer, do you know what oh, I mean? Because right. they hadn't got married yet. Wow. And we were having a laugh, having a chat. And then the guy came back again, so he's phoning up, he said, he said, well, tell him I'm not here. I'm not here, okay? Tell him I'm not here. <laughs> and I was thinking, these boys, this is top, you know, sort of, these sort of people, when I look at my, the industry now, you know, like say 40 odd years into it, you beg for these people, you'd think it's, Chris, you'd like, you know, but they, they, had, they had it then. Right. They had kahunas then. Right, right. And the same way they represented then is how they handle their business now. And that's another thing as well, you know, and it's good. Yeah, they don't beg to no one. What was the premiere of, uh, of Lockstock like? Brilliant. Yeah, it was just good, you know. I mean... Um, Who was there? Cause, yeah, cause... Well, D Dustin Hoffman. And did yeah. you have a chat with him or not? Yeah, I hung out with Dustin Hoffman at the... Um, was, he, was he dressed up as Tootsie or was he... No, oh, no was he, did, he, did, he was just normal. <laughs> and, you know, he was floating around and 
Dustin. He was with Sting and Trudy Styler because right, right. obviously they were investors and Sting was in it as well. Right, right. And, you know, Trudy produces films. And, um, yeah, he was floating around. And it was all good, you know, not in awe of him or anything like that. And he sat down next to me. And he said, hey, 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 hey. And I said, all right, man, how are you? He said, I'm great, I'm great. Hey, I got to tell you. And I said, what? He said, you absolutely brilliant in that film, man. You were so good. I think because we're on the way to the premiere now. Right. I'm thinking, man, thank you very much. He said, How? He said, Listen, your timing, your concentration, the way you delivered your lines, man, you were amazing. You were absolutely amazing. Thank you, thank you. Tap me on the leg, thank you. And I said, So, yeah, so when did you? So, you, that somehow I must have said to him, like, So, you saw the film, like, silly enough. He went, No. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing about Americans, they're so polite, aren't they? That, that's they're so polite. That was a real dusty up <laughs> because it was like all the films I'd ever seen him in, it all came into one. And I was thinking, what a character. Because he, he took me right there. He took me really? right there to the heavens Amazing. of my work. And then I said, So have you seen the film? And he went, No. So you just sat there like that then for the rest of the journey. No, I learned <laughs> a lot from that. I learned a lot from that. He taught me, he, he, actually, I learned a lot from that. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, you're, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Right. Nothing. What matters? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Nothing matters. Good. Yeah. And was, was, was Tom good. Cruise at the premiere as well? No, he wasn't. But Tom Cruise was the first that they sh they were screening it in Hollywood before the mm. premiere, and he came to see it. And he must have had one of their moments because he was just freaking out. But it's only after what I've learned about you know he has their moments like Oprah and he jumped on the chair and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in love. He saw the film and he just got up and he was freaking out. Wow. And apparently when he freaked out, everyone just said, well, they could see that there was something there. But do you know, in America, they had subtitles. Right, right, we, right, we, right, we, right. The premiere is all <laughs> subtitles. <laughs> it's like, they can't do understand it. But he loved it. He loved it. He loved the film. And then when he loved that film, he walked out, word went round. And because Matthew and Guy, people kind of, they Matthew had some contacts as well out there and... Mm. Um, Steve Tish and those guys right. and Morton from, from Hard Rock Cafe with their investment you know they were big Hollywood oh, boys it, as well yes yeah. yeah, so that there was this talk and this British film and it went from there and then when when the film was made and it was out we were out there um, Brad Pitt turned up and we're all around the pool and he's turned up and it's like oh it's Brad Pitt Brad Pitt you see Brad Pitt. Did he Dustin Hoffman you? Did he come no, out? No, no, no. Oh, he's he worse. He's worse. He was worse. He's like, God, he's just, as soon as he's walked in amongst us, he's like broken away from who he's with and he's coming amongst us. And he's just pointed. And he's just pointed at me. He's just, if the milk turns out to be sour. Right, that's like, he done my, all my lines. And sat, if I close my eyes, it sounded just like me. Wow. He did Jason's. He did, he did, he did Dexter's. He did Vinny's. He did every. He impersonated each one of us, right? <laughs> At least you know he watched yeah, the yeah, film, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> he definitely watched it. And then, um, and then you know, the next is history because next thing you know, Snatch. Yeah, he was in that. Yeah, yeah. And then if you, and then he was great know, in that as well. Yeah, and in Snatch, if you notice in Snatch, he 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 played it with this kind of this cat where you couldn't understand him. Right. type of thing. Do you know that accent thing? Because he's very good at accents. Do you like dogs? Yeah, 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 all of that. Because the younger brown with the Frankums, he was with the Frankums, moved around at the Frankums, yeah. And he moved around some, some good travellers. And uh, 
he just he like he paints a picture, and it's, I think it's, I think one should do that when you act. You know, you should turn your character. It's like a painting. Yeah. And I knew he could do accents because he did ours. And then he did this whole thing with the uh, Snatch character. So that's something that he really, he worked it out. I mean, that was a big coup getting Brad Pitt in your next film. He wanted to. Second movie. <laughs> well, he wanted to be in it. He loved Locks. He loved Locksock so much that he wanted to be in Guy's next film. Mm -hmm. And when he did all them accents, I just, you know, he, he, anything. He said he, he's going to be available for that. He wants right. to be in it. So, yeah, it is good. It is good, yeah. Um, good. And, and then Air Paths collided mm. in 2004. That's right. And Rolling with the Nines. Brilliant film. Which, you know, I remember 2003, somebody coming out of the woodwork and saying to me, tell, you was in the club scene, you saw what was going on in the early 2000s, you, you know what's going on. And obviously it's gone on to the present day with all this sort of gun crime, mm. and, you know, drugs and, you know, different gangs and, you mm. know, the postcode wars. And they said, we should make British Boys in the Hood. And that was the, the, the basis of the conversation for Rolling the Nines. And the script got written. I remember reading the script thinking, this is a really good script. Yeah. And we went out to you and Robbie G. Yeah. Um, you both said yes, which was great. And there was obviously some new actors casting it. Um, there was, you know, some, some actors like Fle Jason Fleming. Obviously yeah, was yeah. in it as a police inspector. Yeah, Simon from Blue. Yeah. And, and uh, it always made me laugh. Because uh, I remember we, we had our first scene together in the police interrogation room. I mean, that was the first day I was on set with you. And I remember sitting down and then looking at you. And, and, and I don't know if you remember this, but I said to you, I said, uh, Vass, I just want to say, I fucking loved you in the Lenny Henry show. I can't believe I'm working with Winston. And you looked at me all like serious and went, you can't. <laughs> it, was just, it was just so funny. I think you call it an icebreaker. Yeah. Um, um, then we did that scene and then obviously become, become <laughs> pals from that. And I always remember, <clears throat> you know, the Leicester Square premiere. I don't know if you remember it, but mm. there was basically you and, uh, and Robbie with guns going like this on the poster. And then there was me sort of on the other side with a gun and then there was the girl. And it, it looked like a really violent, you know, British gangster film, which it was. And what really made me laugh was they had this poster up in Leicester Square and we had the premiere. <clears throat> and then um, a week before the premiere, I don't know if you remember the Hippodrome, um, but they used to do events in the Hippodrome. And there yeah. was a, I don't know if it was a drum and bass or a garage night or there was, there was something that happened there. And it was obviously an issue where there was a shootout. And I don't know if, if somebody was killed, but something happened. Yeah, and yeah. obviously we've got this poster above the Odeon and literally we had um you know the police we had um the um uh trident guys basically come and said look <clears throat> we don't really want this film happening because of what happened the other week the only way we can let this go ahead is if you give us a guest list and they vetted their guest list and they they were literally like you know there's some unsavory characters coming <clears throat> and I think that was obviously we had a few consultants on the film that give us the the real story so um, that were obviously known to the police for whatever reason. Um, and there was a group in North London called North Star who some of their members were in the film, they did music for the film. Um, but unbeknown to us, you know, they, they were, I think, part of that sort of North London, South London thing. And um, they were like, the only way the film's going to go ahead, 
is if we can have 20 armed officers in your Premier. So we had to give the Met 20 Premier tickets and we actually had 20 undercover armed police just sitting in the Premier. <laughs> Nothing happened. No. Um, but they actually went round to every club in the West End. Yeah. Said, they sport if there's us, any any yeah. any after parties, we're going to shut shut you down yeah. and take your license away. So uh, I don't think they liked <clears throat> the film, uh, but the film did get BAFTA nominated. Yeah. And um, it did win Rain Dance, and um, I think it was kind of ahead of its time. I and mean, what was your views on it, Vas? Because you was obviously in it, and you played one of the main characters. Well, this is the thing, you know. I mean, I will say just picking up on that point there that you was talking about the premiere. I remembered that and I was thinking, this is so unfair, but I did not know some of the intricacies in the fight that you were up against because I, what I heard, I heard, I didn't hear that there was an incident the week, the week before, but then obviously at the time I didn't hear it, but later on I did hear that. Right. But then what I heard was that they had already got some information on some people that were involved in the film. Right. You know, like as in, obviously, you know, come on, look, any gangster film that's made, whether it's black or Italian or whatever the case may be, you know, researchers, they talk to people that are Absolutely. involved, you know, and for the authenticity, you know, Craig's, the Cray movies and things like that, even like iconic films like that. Yeah, I heard that they were really upset. And what did upset me was the fact that, you know, they weren't going to let us have no after parties, no way at all. And I remembered, I remembered the police. I remember going down that premiere and the presence. Oh, it was a lot of places. From, from, and they from were Soho Square. And when it finished, when it finished, they were actually following <laughs> the people back to yeah, the hotel yeah, to yeah, make yeah, sure yeah, they yeah, went yeah. back. Yeah, that's <laughs> I right. Think, I think one of the craziest things that's uh, right. was, was, uh, was, we was we was doing a, there was a scene where <clears throat> we were obviously going to bust you and we were loading up guns in in in, uh, in in a multi-story car park yeah and obviously we all had bulletproof vests on yes, we yes were, i remember that scene yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what's actually quite funny yeah. was we'd already notified the police and said by the way we're going to be in this car park loading up and somebody saw it and actually rang the police then the police actually turned yeah, up i remember we, I said, we said well there's cameras here we're obviously making a movie but but you know i think um i think maybe but, but, i mean the the, the 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 gun crime in in london probably from the mid 90s Right up to the present day, is uh, you know it, it it goes on. Obviously, you're not allowed to have a firearm in this country, but lots of people were were, were cam. Lots of people were using them. There were drive-bys, and I think obviously where that film highlighted that, maybe that's why they 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 didn't like it because they didn't want it being sort of highlighted that this this was happening. But I mean, it happens everywhere. It, wherever you are in the world, you know you get a clash of um, cultures, or you get the clash of gangs. I mean, now obviously there's 20 different firms here that are all trying to do each other over, whether they're selling watches, whether they're selling drugs. So, you know, I mean, that might that'd probably be a good film. Yeah, <laughs> like I an up-to-date version. Yeah, you know, what, one thing I will say is that, because we were talking about this on the phone the other day, I think, Terry, the fact that Rolling With The Nines, man, it was such, such an iconic film. And it was, it before Top Boy. Right. It had all the elements. If it was put on Netflix or TV now, I'm sure they would probably. Um, it, it'd be in the top ten. Yeah, but that, I think that what they would probably do is they would probably cut out a lot of the dialogue because there was some dialogue. Because obviously in in the film, I played this kind of right wing sort of racist cop, um, and and which don't exist. We, well, well, 
don't know. Maybe it does. <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> well, we are talking, yeah, speaking of which, but, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But what was really funny was I remember... Now, bear in mind, when you make a film, <clears throat> you do a film five, six weeks, you film it, you're in the moment, you're doing your thing, and then you forget about it. And then you've seen it a couple of times and you kind of become desensitised to the dialogue, to what's going on. And uh, I remember going to the premiere and, and you know, th th there was a lot of music artists there you know there wasn't it wasn't like a massively white thing it was it was a it was yeah, a black yeah, thing. Well, yes but yeah, but, but yeah. me and my missus were obviously sat in the <laughs> in the premiere and then i come up on the screen and i start going you this you that and all you hear in the whole the whole cinema is yeah. <laughs> and, and my missus is sitting there and she's looking at me and she's going what? we're gonna get fucking murdered here why are you saying this shit i said it's not me i said this is it was in the script right <laughs> And then what was really funny at the end of the film, my missus is like really nervous. And as we're walking out, everyone's kind of going, that's what they're like. That's, that's what they're like. You got it. You nailed it. You know what I mean? And, 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 and you know, she's going, I can't believe, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. believe the love. And I said, well, yeah. you know, if you're on, <laughs> if you're on the other side of it yeah. and you're experiencing that, yeah. then, you know, that becomes your reality. And, uh, you know, but, but I'm, I mean, I love that film. And, and to be honest, that really... I mean, bear in mind that was only the second movie I did, and and that sort of is that the first? Is that the only cop you've played? Uh, yeah, that's right. I was just thinking. Yeah, yeah. talking. Yeah, I know we played. It's good. No, 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 <coughs> Terry. Trust me. Do you think I'm wasted as playing Tony Takahashi? No, no, no. But, <laughs> but but listen, it's all it's all about levels. And the thing is that um, that role, especially with, uh, there's that scene with frying the fry, pan. frying pan. And the, <laughs> no, but it's a really stressful job, right. you know, and. Um, do you think all police officers should, should get a fine pan and take it out of their suspects? I'll tell you what, there's police officers that are watching this podcast that have been in situations, I know black or white, undercover, have been in situations and they'll tell you more about, about you, that frying pan. They'll tell you what they've had to do in situations. In fact, um, I've got a role coming up very soon, very right. soon to be coming out soon, Some Other Hood, right. Adam Deacon's new film. Yeah. You know, it's got Ed Sheeran and everything. And I'm fast forwarding a little bit, but I just right. wanted to get back. And I play a detective, right. black racist detective. <laughs> Don't like black people. And I think it's one of my best roles. Wow. Can't yeah. wait to see it. So, yeah, well, you know, so so I've dedicated that role to you, Terry. Thank you. <laughs> for, your role in the, for your role in the role with the guys and your missus giving you grief that night. She must have been really worried. But that's no, that's what they were like. And that, I love that because, you know, you listen, you, you could, listen, why play it understated? He's dealing with like black guys that are going around shooting people. Right. So, do your job. Right. You know, you're not gonna like go around like fill out this questionnaire, mate. <laughs> Here's the front <laughs> fan, mate. Yeah. And then really... I don't know. I don't know if it was before Rolling in the Nines or after Rolling in the Nines. But the One Love film we did. Yeah, that, One was Love that before. No, it was after. I was. After. Yeah, quite a bit after. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Obviously, you went with Idris Elba in that. Yeah, Idris um, was in that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. But, and it was a Bob Marley movie. What, what did you play? you played Scarface in that? Didn't yeah, you? I played a character called Scarface, and basically, okay, so One Love um, was all about basically about uh, a Christian girl who's a singer, right? Who's dated Idris, like they're sort of engaged to get married, and she falls in love with a Rasta. And that's right. very taboo in Jamaica. Right. Rastafarianism and Christianity, right. you know, because of the religion, you know, Christianity, Rastafarianism. And R Rastafarianism being a culture, Christianity being a religion. And, um, yeah, it's really, so if anyone's, in, uh, if anyone's never seen the film One Love, and it starred Kimani Mali, right. one of Bob's sons, 
And um, I play a character called Scarface, who's like the hitman for the promoter, right? right? Selector G, he's the promoter and I'm his hitman. And, and it was really, I, Raquel Good directed it and Don Letts, right. Don Letts, famous Don Letts and Raquel. One's a white Rasta, the other one's a Rasta, right. black Rasta, Don Letts and Raquel Good. And um, it was wonderful shooting that film because I played this bad man, you know, bad guy. I mean, my parents are Jamaican. Right. I have dual nationality just because I can. I was born here, but I do have um, a dual nationality Jamaican passport as well, which is part of CARICOM, which right. is the Caribbean Commonwealth. So all the other Caribbean islands are part of CARICOM. Wikipedia at CARICOM, you, you know, you've got, you can open up businesses in any of the other islands. So it's a good thing to have, and I can pass it on to my children. My children yeah, are getting their Caribbean, pa Jamaican passports as well. So it's just a good thing to have because you're not entitled to much in this world. Right. And uh, that's from my parents who've worked very hard, yeah, yeah. very hard. And they've, my mum and my dad have done a lot for us. You know, they've come here and they've um, brought us up, not dragged us up, yeah. got their first mortgage, Windrush period, Leighton Road, 163, 15 grand, you know, they bought a house and raised us like that we had a garden and my parents have done a lot so my my jamaican roots i'm very proud of them how so many, it was good how many brothers and sisters have you i've got, got a sister right from my mum and dad and an older brother yeah Amazing. yeah so there's three of us and um yeah so basically you know playing that role was really good and i had a i had a scar makeup right. scar and it's really funny because we were on the foot and obviously I'm, I'm a london boy oh, right. yeah but i was the patois you know and um I remember I was on set once out there in Jamaica, they were on the set, and I had the scar, and I was there. And this girl was talking to me. She was like an actress, she was an extra, I think, on it, and really talking a lot to me and everything, and, you know, like, and everything, and talking and everything. She said, Yeah, man. She said, And then the makeup woman came up to me, like, half an hour into our conversation. There's a couple of girls talking away to me, and she came up to me and she was going, Vast, vast, you know, and she just did this and that. And the girl, Ah! It's not a real scar. <laughs> okay, nice makeup. So, oh, and the other one's like, oh, they like, they think it's a nice scar. I really like the scar. Like they like a bit of a scar. There's a big scar there. My face. No, 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 it's not a scar. It's makeup. So they, were, and after they realised it was just like makeup, they stopped talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. That was yeah. But that was a really good film to do. And Idris, I said at the time, Idris had done. He had just done. Um, the Wire. Wow. That's a great yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great show, yeah. He'd done The Wire and various other things, and he was coming up. Right. So, um, and it, I think the Film Council, right. National Film, Ca film Council were behind um, One Love, getting the funding and everything. So they got him in there to play the role. And, yeah, it was wonderful. It was a great film to do. Lovely working with Idris. Lovely work. Kimani Mali and all of his mates and everything. So I know, I know I'm very close friends with, um, like, family friends with um, Damien Mali. Junior Gong, he's a very good friend of mine. I used to take him to um, school in the morning and everything in Jamaica uh, before he grew locks and everything. You know, right. I've got lots of pictures of Damien and everything. And now he is who he is. Mm. Went back and went with the family, back with the family after doing his education and everything. And um, massive Grammy winner now, Damien. Right. So it was nice working with Kimani. Good, good, good. It's nice doing those type of projects, you know. Oh, it's real, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, about yeah, it's an, good a, fun. A, a, an iconic character like Bob Marley, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's got his movie coming out next year as well. So, and um, an actual fact, I know Ben, the chap who's playing um, Bob Marley, uh, he's from North London right. and he's a great actor. Absolute Kingsley. Absolute brilliant. Brilliant yeah. actor, yeah, 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 yeah. So, 
So with your, your sister and your brother, mm-hmm. guys, did, did they follow in, in the in the theatrical footsteps or did they... No, no, no. Him? My brother's in construction, right? right? He's, got, he's, a, he's got a building firm and my sister's in banking. Wow. Yeah. And what did your mum and dad think about you being an actor? Would, would they like, get a proper job? Because most people... Yeah, they're still, trying to, my mom's <laughs> still, they're still trying to work it out. No, no, no. Do you know the funny thing is, my mum, my, I said my parents are divorced, but... You know, but very close to both of them. My dad's remarried and my mum, mum's on her own, but we've all wrapped around my mum. She wasn't too well recently, actually, but right. the, she was in the nursing. But she she doesn't say too much to me often about it, right. but she knows, you know, she obviously knows. But whenever her friends talk, when they meet me, they're like, oh, that's the, he's the actor, he's the actor, he's the actor. And she really does, yeah, she loves it. Oh, that's Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And she'll say to people, you know, um, my son is the actor, you know, he's with Lenny Henry Show. And she used to come and watch some of the Lenny Henry right. Shows when they were recorded live. So, um, yeah, they definitely and met Lenny quite a few times and things of that sort. So, yeah, they love it. And in Jamaica as well. Right, right. Yeah, because I've done documentaries. And I did a documentary actually once, uh, which I produced um, and sold it to Channel 4 for their educational department called Vast Blackwood Returns. And it was filmed, it was, um, being born in um, London, Right. Coming from Jamaican parentage and African roots, and we went right. to each of those places and uh, stuck stuck that together. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, you know, like Jamaica, they're proud of me. My family in Jamaica, so film my family in Jamaica and um, London. They're very proud of what I do, you know, and everything. But it's one of those things, isn't it? It's, you know, in our profession, we don't we don't retire, right. and that's a good thing. Brilliant. <laughs> no, no, no. Because with, with, with age comes wisdom. So I mean, I see old black boys. You know, I see an old black boy, and he's he, whether he could be. And I think I could play him. He's a character. I could see one security guard, see one who who works in banking, or see one wherever on the buses. And I look at them. And I'm, I'm I'm working it out and working it out. So I'm up for all. I'm up for everything. And 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 you know, um, I look after myself. So. I still really, you know, it's like there's there's so much more that I'm going to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, I love it, love it. It's great for me. And it keeps the mind working over as well, you know? I, I mean, I, I I know when I spoke to, uh, you know, people always say, you know, if they're not in the business, how do you learn your lines? How do you remember all that stuff? And and, and I, I just said, there's nothing glamorous about it. It's actually fucking boring. You just sit in a room, reading it over and over again, Either saying it out loud or listening to it after you've recorded it, and it's just repetition, repetition, repetition till it goes in. And then when you turn up on a set, you think, I don't know my lines, and all of a sudden it comes out. It's like yeah. a fucking spiritual thing, isn't yeah. it? It's, uh... Do you know, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. It is, it, that's a really good word. It is spiritual. Yeah. And you know, it's very interesting because I'll tell you something funny because with age comes wisdom. So I've learned recently when, when I was younger with the acting. I was like, not a bull in a china shop with it, but it's like easy. Everything's easy. You don't even think about the method because there's a thing called the method. You don't even think about the method. And even you might have been out all night partying and you turn up on the set and it's easy. Everything's (laughs) easy because that's how you are. But then with age comes wisdom. So as you get old, you have more responsibilities in life and stand the other. And then you you get the lines. You've got a job you're going to do. And you start to analyze it a little bit more. Now you can either go get worried or you can work on it. Right. And it's not that it's not, it's not, it doesn't become uneasy, but it becomes there's a method to it. Right. So, and I've established recently actually methods of working 
and learning. And it's actually what I was doing before that was easy. Right. So I've, it's like it was a, like a retentive thing in the mind. So I've worked out now how to actually do what was easy. Right. Where I wasn't thinking about it when I was younger. Now I've now there's a method to it. So for instance, yeah. th like you said that you've got ways of learning your lines. Right. And I know that I was listening to an interview once with Anthony Hopkins and he was, cause he's dyslexic, I'm dyslexic. And, um, but I love reading books. And um, so I've worked out ways of, I mean, I read four books at once. So I read a book for half an hour, which is, might be about one in particular I'm reading at the moment. It's about to do with um, the earthquake in, in um, 1696, Port Royal earthquake in Jamaica and how Jamaica was then in 1696. Then there's another one that I'm reading, which is about um, Purim, Purim, the festival of Purim, which is about um, Judaism, and they have a festival of Purim, which is to do with Haman and um, Mordecai. And it's uh, during that festival of Purim, if you go, go into areas where the, um, there's highly populated by Jews, they go absolutely nuts, right. pissed everything. They get drunk, the Hasidics, everyone. Right. And the whole thing of Purim is very interesting. So I'm reading that. Just finished one now in De Beers, right. about the diamonds, the rise and fall of the De Beers, which is brilliant, Oppenheimer's. I remember what the other one is. But anyway, so I like reading. But nobody, do you know something? Genuinely, I would never have ever thought you would have read books. And it's funny because uh, obviously you read books, but books like that, that are yeah, historical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or about things that aren't, I mean, obviously the Jamaica thing I get, but the, the Judaism. The other one's thing. about Enoch as well. Enoch, right. Enoch, the, um, the uh, one of the patriarchs, Enoch. Because uh, he was actually more holy than, he was more, not more holy, he was more, he was more, What happened to Jesus right. or Jesus? What happened to Jesus Christ, Enoch and Moses? He was more holier, right. Enoch. And I've just started this one about Enoch, the patriarch. He was absolutely, Enoch the Ethiopian. Right. Um, so that one's incredible actually. Uh, yeah, no, I love reading. So I read, so I read half an hour. Right. So it's two hours a day of reading. Right. And I got this um, idea, when well, I've got this theory from Marcus Garvey, because I'm a Garveyite, Marcus Garvey um, was a great black Jamaican, um, how can I say, he was a, he was a nationalist. Right. And he, was, he tried to set up the Black Star Liner, which was basically buy load of ships, whether it got them financed by the Ku Klux Klan, right wing right. groups, anything, if you didn't like black people, we want to go back anyway. And he got set up the Black Star Liner. And in his time, Marcus Garvey, he had about, I think they had about over like 40, 50, 100,000 followers, subscribers. And he was huge in New York. But, um, an amazing man, Marcus Garvey was. But um, he was in with the King of Liberia, you know, land set out for um, blacks in Africa and everything of that sort. But he got sold out in the end by his own, really, Marcus Garvey, interested man, Marcus Garvey. And he died, I think he died in this country, in England. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I love my books. I love what history. Because I think what a lot of the viewers and, and, and listeners would be interested in is I read all sorts of books as well, right? And if, if I said to you about some of the books I read, you'd probably go, what? Right? But I've, I've, I, I don't know if it's when I got into the acting or whether... When I left, I mean, I grew up on a council estate, probably the same as you, and 
I know about your oh, I had a house, 163 Leighton Road. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, you, yeah. Had, you had a house, you were posher than me. But, um, yeah. Um, but, but My friends lived in Kazan, <laughs> but we were still all together, though. But, but, when I, but when I grew up, you know, I didn't get any particularly great qualifications, but I think the reason why I like reading so much uh, diverse and unusual books and content, historical things, biographies, um, all sorts of things, because I've always had a first for knowledge. Do you think that's the same for you? You've always yeah, yeah, absolutely, learned. absolutely, yeah. yeah. I mean, because Marcus Garvey actually, when I mentioned Garvey, is that he 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 used to do that. He said you got to try and read. It's a few hours. He was like four hours, five hours a day, because he also had a publishing company and a newspaper right. as well. So, but I just love it. Yeah, it's good for you, and also as well, it's very good for your brain. Yeah, absolutely. You see, it's very good for your brain. And when you have conversations yeah, people, yeah. people are going, yeah. it throws them because they don't expect you to have that conversation. I yeah. mean, there's lots of things we've talked about in this podcast that yeah. people will go, we didn't know that about Vass. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's important because yeah. I think I think in life, obviously you are Vass backward as a person, you are Vass backward as an actor, but then obviously there's some private stuff that you don't normally share. So I'm glad that you've managed to share. Yeah, the um, book, do you know, it's funny enough because I don't really talk about too much about some of the, the like, as I said, four books, you know, different. And it's and I look at, and I consider that piece. How do you do that? Well, it's nothing, nothing's exceptionally difficult about it. But I say it's like changing the television channel. Right. And I and I mark where I've left off on that book. So I always go, when I go back to that book, I know where I've left off from there. And, and it's just, it just changes it up a little bit instead of staying on one thing. But I never really talk too much about some of the books about books that I read. I don't come out on their own and say, oh, right, blah, 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 because I read this in a book. No, but mm. I will say with social media and with the internet mm. and, um, yeah, social media and everything, you know, people think they know it all by just looking on Twitter or looking on um, um, TikTok or looking right. on Instagram. And that's not good for you. No. It really isn't good for you. You're better off picking up a book. And if you want to get knowledge or um, if you want to get some form of, say, um, if you want to educate yourself, on any topic, get a good book. And that's why I've done it. And that's yeah, why absolutely. I do it because, you know, I talk about, like, say, I'm pro-black, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a humanitarian. Um, I believe in a superior being. I won't put a name to him or her, nature. So I get into it, you know, so yeah. I read about those things rather than my father converted to Ju Judaism 35 years ago. Right. You can't find my father on a Friday afternoon, Shabbat, and it can, you catch him again on Sunday. He's like deep. My dad's right, right on it, you know, um, Judaism. So that, and I, I, I like that religion. Um, it's, it's a way of life, Judaism. But I, but I prefer, I've not really got a leaning, but I would say I am under more or less the fellowship. So I like the um, Orthodox, Ethiopian Orthodox orthodoxy i am very much i like that because it it sort of resonates a little bit more with um how i see it you know ethiopia and um i believe you know i believe that we all came from that region and um the kushites and everything of that sort who were, who were building stuff a long time before things were being built anywhere else on this planet very wonderful culture yes and i'm reading this book about um the destruction of africa that's the right. fourth one and the destruction of Africa is incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, because if you look at Africa now and all what's going on in Africa, it's just like, do you know Russia? Russia had nothing to do with colonializing Africa. Leopold, one of the kings, he was in, gonna, in 18 something, he was gonna do something. He was gonna try and, I can't remember one of the countries, 
um, that he was going to take over, was going to go for, but then he got talked out of it. So Russia never had anything to do with colonialising Africa. And China having had nothing to do with colonialising Africa. Whereas right now, as we speak right now, they're instrumental in building Africa. Right. And, you know, the West is saying, oh, they're corrupted Africa. They, you know, the Chinese came to Jamaica over the past, say, 15, 20 years, and they've just built a thing called Highway 2000, which logistics-wise, for instance, it used to take six hours to get from one end of the island to the other. Now it takes three and a half, three right. hours. They built that highway to them, but the Chinese are very similar to... I, mean, I hope there's any Chinese people watching this, but uh, you don't take get offended. But they say in Jamaica they're very much like ants because as soon as they do one project, they go on to another. They right. don't go. Right. <laughs> so, but, but, but no, but, 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 they're, but, they, but they're things that these... That the colonials, UK, never... You know, we had A-roads. Right. Now we've got Highway 2000. Do you know what I'm right, trying to right, say? So right. you go Jamaica and boom, you know, you get from you know one. What? I haven't been to Jamaica oh, you for love it. 15 you love years. Yeah, well, I, yeah, yeah. I well, like that's, that. that's when they had the A-roads. Now they've got the Highway 2000. Wow. And, and in Africa, they're doing the same thing. All what's good, there's some upheavals going on now in Africa, presently speaking. But, you know, like you've got, um, they've got, they've got, listen, everything's there in Africa. Right. So let them get on with it. And, um, I, you know, some people say this about Russia and some people say this about China. But um, I'm a humanitarian. I think that what we've got to do is we've got to try and learn to look back in the past, UK, the West, America, kind of like evaluate what we've, what, you know, what we've done wrong to a certain extent and not be too harsh on the likes of Russia and China and what they're doing right now. Because, you know, obviously... No one, there was not much love for Africa after it being carved up. And um, all they're trying to do is get it back. Yeah, they're getting something out of it, but why not? You know, they didn't have anything to do. So I like that because it's, mm. and, but I don't get, I'm only doing that here now with you, Terry, mm. you know, but I don't go out, leave here and walk out and say, you know this about Africa, you know this about, but I, I just like to know that I kind of keep myself educated and I'll not stop right. educating myself. I think that's a, a good quality. And I, I mean, I'm going on, talking about the religion point. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of uh, religions in the world. And I genuinely think, um, and it's just a personal opinion of mine, um, I think everybody should respect everybody's religion. Absolutely. Like you said, if you, if you decide that that thing resonates particularly with you, then that's obviously yes. for you. Yeah. But, but all the wars and all the fighting that has, be, has been created by this, Not good. and it's been diversive, and really, we're all saying the same thing. We might have different traditions, but we're all saying, basically, there is a supreme being, and, you know... That is it. And look, some people, my dad was uh, absolutely, you know, he, he was like, religion's all bollocks. Uh, <laughs> God doesn't exist. He was completely an, an atheist. It's all bollocks. Yeah, right? yeah. He was an atheist, yeah. Right? Fair but enough. I remember Fair enough. on his deathbed, I went to see him and uh, he sat there and I had a really bad relationship with him. I didn't really talk to him um, because of the way he behaved. But when he was dying, I'll get a call. You know, your dad's going and he's to see you. So I went to see him and I said, you know, how are you feeling? And he goes, yeah, I'm feeling, I've been better. Yeah, I made a joke of it. And then he, then he went, he went, you know, saying, he said, I know there's something. And I was like, what? And he goes, I know there's something. I can feel it. And I was like, oh, she so believed now. <laughs> I said, it's taken you 67 years. But then the, the priest came around and gave him the last rites. And then when he left, he said to me, he said, he said, what lovely words. But 
it was funny that he had, he had to wait to right to the end when he actually realised. Deep. Um, and, and, and you sort of think, you know, whether you believe in it or whether you don't, right, there has got to be something. Of course there is. Right, it, we cannot exist on this planet. Um, no. You know, everything, creation, but, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. just there's, there's... And we're all connected as well. Absolutely. And the thing is... We're all connected. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what religion, what colour, what country, we are all one. We're right. all one. And, and uh, one love. We're all one. One love. <laughs> one love. You know, funny thing is that to, I say, you know, I leave my house and every day I meet someone new, right? I've never met before and they recognise me. Like I went to, um, was it Costa or one of the, the coffee places just around the corner? I've walked in there and actually, no, it was, it was um, let's give them a big up. It was, um, <laughs> it was uh, Pret, Pret. Right. I went into Pret. Waited in the queue, went to the, got to, got to the till and there's a black guy there. And I said, I said something, whatever, and he, you know, he went, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, it's you, man, it's you, it's you, it's you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's me, it's me, it's me. <laughs> he said, oh, man, are you about a picture? You want about a picture? And I was like, no, no, I don't mind, I don't mind. And he's come round, right? He's called his manager, said, okay, can you take a picture of me and the man, me and the man? It's just, I heard your voice, but I knew, I do a lot of voiceovers, by the way, right. very distinguishable voice. National Lottery. Yeah, yeah, that's the yeah, National yeah, Lottery, yeah, over there, over there. And, and, uh, <laughs> and we took the pictures and I just thought, that's it. And I, and I see that as a blessing because that's, that's again, the creator, whether I said, whether, you know, some people see a man, woman, whatever, that the universe, just saying, Vass, what you're, and, and I, was, I was on my way here, and um, which is another form of appreciation for my work. And it's just that creator saying, no matter, sometimes you feel down, sometimes you feel this, but smile, be happy. And I like to pass on a smile. Because I think once you pass on a smile, it passes on another smile, like a relay. You know, can you imagine leaving your house every morning and making people upset? Some people do this, oh, you know? And then, yeah. yeah, and then it goes on. It goes, I, I met someone today and it was awful. You know, and you get, you get so love, man, love. Because when you feel love and love and just be happy, try and be happy in your heart. I know it's difficult sometimes because we're all under things, but right. we're all connected in a spiritual and a positive way. So, you know, yeah, and, so it's and nice your dad. It's not, that was a yeah, nice yeah, little yeah, thing no, about your good. dad there. It's good. And, and I'll yeah. tell you what, um, there, there was a couple of other <clears throat> film things that I want to talk okay, about okay. before we uh, go on to another matter, which, um, yeah, yeah. which I want to talk to you about. Um, but we did a film together, another film together. We've done a few films together. But yeah. Fanged up, fanged up. Where you played a vampire? Was that the first time you played a vampire? No, because lots of people no, love yes, that. Yes, 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 yes. It, it might have been, yeah. Because I was just thinking of Creep. Because I was in Creep, right. but Creep wasn't. I wasn't a monster in Creep, right. but there was that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so. literally, everybody said the performance you gave when you was, you know, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it, but it, it did bring tears to people's eyes. <laughs> and, and people were saying to me, I can't believe. That the vampire made me cry. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. Did did you, did you have any stories about that? Because we was in that disused prison in Portsmouth. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I mean, my my my, my good brethren, Danny, man, yeah. Daniel Dapper, uh, Dapper laughs, and yourself was on it, and Stephen Marcus was in it, and uh, do you know? And I I tell you, who was in it as well. What's his name? The wrestler. Oh, uh, uh, Bad News Barrett. But, but, Stu Bennett. Stu, Stu, yeah, Stu yeah, Bennett. Yeah. What an actor. And I saw Stu, and if Stu's watching this, I saw him in the um, film with Colin Farrell. Um, and what's her name? Um, Naomi, um, what's her name? Russ, the, the Swedish actress. She's brilliant. She's always in right. films. She always has fights in films. 
And it's the one that's about the hitman. Right. Colin Farrell plays a hitman. And a brilliant film. Do you know, say, so when, 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 when we cast him in the movie, and he was in America and he flew in, I remember like telling my kids, and both my kids were like massive, yeah, like, yeah, huge wrestling yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, we got this guy in it. And they went, oh my God, oh my God, I couldn't meet him. Yeah. And I rang him, I said, look, it's true. I said, I know this is like <laughs> fanboy, right? But I said, my kids like love you and they think you're the best, right? And I said, could we have a bit of lunch or a bit of dinner before we yeah, start filming? Yeah, and I'll bring yeah, the kids because they love yeah, to meet you. Yeah. Absolutely, Terry, no problem. He's a Brit, right? So I've gone down to the hotel, we've had a bit of lunch. And he has a picture of them. And then he goes, I bought you guys a little present. You know, they have them little WWE dollies <laughs> with the little belts and stuff. Yes. And he's got them and he's given them one each. Lovely. And he's got, he's got a picture of them going like that. Lovely. And he's put, you know, dear Alfie, lots of love, blah, blah, and Harrison. So they were like walking away. And I said to him, I said, you know what? I just thought we was going to have a meet and greet. But that was a real nice touch. Nice touch, I thought, yeah. I thought, what a decent fella. Yeah. And he said to me, he said, you know what? He said, it's made my life. It's given me an opportunity to go into acting now. And, um, you know, he's, like you said, he's went with Colin Farrell. I mean, I'm... Yeah, he was, and he was... Well, he was in that film before our film. Oh, really? Yeah. But I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, That's okay. 2000... And it's 2006 or... Is it Man Down or something? Man, right. I think it's Man Down. But, um, yeah, he's really good. He just plays one of the baddies, but he's got oh, moments in it. He's got... Yeah. He's in it. He's in it, you know? And I see him and watch him. I was thinking, yeah, he was in our fagged up him. Good actor. And Colin Farrell's yeah. absolutely brilliant actor anyway. So uh, it was a very good film. And there was another. There was another film that I saw on your CV, um, where you played uh, a, a character called Donkey Dick Dark. Donkey Dick Dark, yeah, Nine um, Dead Gay Guys. Yeah, um, I haven't seen the film. No, but um, tell us about that because right. that's that's also a step. Like you've you've played gangsters, yeah. you've been funny, and then was was that was what was that a serious film or was that a comedy or? Well. <laughs> So you get I a script. I just love a name. You get what are you a, playing? I'm playing Donkey Dick Dark. I mean, it just sounds you, fucking cool. You, you, you get a script and it's called Nine Dead Gay Guys and you think, what's this, a serious film or a comedy? <laughs> it's like, maybe it's a bit of a, a, bit of a tongue-in-cheek. Right. Well, it was, yeah, so it was about, <laughs> Stephen Burkhoff was in it as well, actually. Wow. It was about um, these gay guys dying and these two, I think they're, they're pals, right. uh, young guys, they want to... Um, they investigate what's going on. Right. And they, and my character, I played Donkey Dick Dark and he was like a guru. Right. He's a guru. So he knows about everything to do with anything. Right. Like the sexuality. And I remember playing the role and, and I said to the makeup, I'll tell you what we do. Cause it, 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 they come to see me and I have this monologue. Right. A bit like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. Right. You know, one of them ones. I said, well, what we do? Tell you what we do, we do a tattoo, right, like of a penis, like under my throat, like, like the bollocks and there, like that. But under my throat, like that. No. Like the ones looking at like. Have you spoken to the director about this? I said, yeah, I have, I have, and I had. I said, yeah, and he thinks it's a good idea, and that's what they did. Yeah, he's got like. A, everyone's gonna try and get to watch this film. Everyone's gonna watch it, yeah, mate. Yeah, this is yeah. gonna be number one on Amazon yeah, next yeah, week. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't, but yeah, Donkey Dick Dark. I didn't mind. Listen, you know what it is with me. I'm one of these actors that I'm an actor. Right. And the character's called Donkey Dick Dark. I'm not starting to get politically correct about saying anything or doing anything. As I said, my, one of my, um, I think my best role to date is the one that's coming out, um, Detective Ian, and I play a black racist copper, right. you know, who don't like black people. And actually, the role was originally going to be 
cast to um they they offered it to um, Nick Frost. Right, okay. And he said, "Listen, Adam, this is a brilliant film." Really brilliant film. Ed Sheeran plays a crackhead in this. Right, right. He's really good in this film, right? <laughs> yeah. And he said, this is a really good script, really good film, lovely character. But, because it, again, like Rolling with the Nines, we're looking at that sort of right. like black urban audience, as well as it's a crossover, because right, right. it's got a mixture of actors in it. But primarily, we're making black people proud in this film. He said, I'll tell you what, it's a great film, all of that. But if I play this role, I think similar to how you and your wife, your wife was feeling when she was in the cinema. Right, right. People are gonna like, it's gonna lose it. Right. I think it will lose it. That in because it would have been a white copper right. racist. Well, it's just but, stereotype, but, isn't it? So yes. So Nick was saying, turn it on its head. yeah. Nick said, turn it on its head. Get a black actor to play him. Right. Because you're not gonna lose that character because it's right. a good role. Right. And they got me. And I'll tell you what, I smashed the granny out of it. Because I know a lot of black people. Thing, like, thing, I know a lot of black people who don't like black people. Well, thing, so I based it off them. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. But I think I think when you, you know, we, we live obviously in a different world now. I mean, when Ronald Benign's came out in 2005, mm. um, 2006, whenever it was, um, it was a different world. And I think, I think things, you know, if you actually look through history, like, you know, if you watch television, right, you had people like Alf Garnett, yeah, people like Jim Davidson, mm, yeah, 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 these yeah, characters yeah, yeah, doing yeah, this yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> and obviously then it was, but I don't, I don't think people thought it was funny. Mm. Um, I think it's, it's a generational thing to an extent. Yeah. And historically, but historically, again, yeah, it's interesting because there are things that, in a way, we are, to a certain extent, we're, 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 we, we, we suffer for the sins of our fathers right. to, a, to a degree. I think I think also with 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 technology and with yeah. things like streaming platforms, whether it's music, whether it's film, yeah, it's like they're giving away loads of content, yeah, and it's cheap, right? Yeah, and and it, and it's making people consume more and more content. Mm. And I also think when you're looking at Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or any mm. of these mm. platforms, TikTok, yeah. They reckon it's like seconds. People are just going like this. Yeah, so I do actually think all this stuff is giving people ADHD. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's making them not be out of focus because because and, and I've even found it myself. Like I remember when advertising on billboards mm. was a thing, right? mm. and I remember like walking down the road and you see an advert and you go, "Oh wow, look at that." Yeah. Oh, you know. Oh yeah, I remember that. But now because you're getting so much stuff being sold to you, if it's not on your phone, it's on TV. If it's not on the TV, it's on a billboard. You know, you get. You, I think your brain's getting overwhelmed, and then you sort of switch off. And and it's, I yeah. I mean, look. If you talk to a lot of these executives of these social media companies, they don't actually let their kids <laughs> have the app or the platform. So yeah, that to me isn't a great sign. Do you know what I mean? No, it's not a great sign. But then do you know what? Out of all of that, though, I've a friend saying to me, you know, he's talking about children and everything, and saying and and the way they're going now and what they're doing now. But then. But then a friend of mine said to me, you know, we've got to give them more credit, Bass. And he said, listen, my daughter, she's got three daughters, and this gentleman here, right, he's not stupid, right? Him and his wife, they're good right. people, they're Essex, they're out of Essex, they're sharp, double shrewd. Right. And they've got three daughters. Two are in their twenties, early twenties, and they've got the they've got the young youngster girl, right? right. So during COVID. She was 13, going 14. She just started to do some stuff on social media, right. right? Do you know how much she's earning now? 
300,000. When he was talking to me, she had earned 300,000 pounds that year. Wow. Right? She's about 16 now. Yeah. Her sisters, she caught up her sisters doing it. I said, so what's she doing? But I don't say they're double shrewd. That she's not doing anything weird. Right. Do you understand me? He said, the wife said that this American company sent some trainers over recently and 35,000 pounds went into the account. Wow. Now, <laughs> Terry, they're looking at getting her, they're already getting a flat. They're getting a flat. She's bought right. a flat, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Listen, yeah. So we've got to give them more credit. Yeah, yeah. So there is something there because in anything where, you know, anything that's like, look, look listen, um, what's it? Um, Nobel Peace right. Prize, dynamite. Yeah. Destructive dynamite but Nobel Peace Prize. So anything destructive also has a positive yeah. good duality well, in think, life. I think the good thing about social media yeah. right, is anybody, regardless of where you're from, where you're, as long as you've got a phone, mm. you can create content and you can become an influencer, you can become yeah. a singer, you can become an actor, you can become anything you want. If you want to sell something, you can do a video. And, and I think the good fit, the positives are it's giving you a shop window where you don't actually have to physically go to a shop, hire rent. No, pay it's for true, staff. true, true. You can actually create your own business online, which yeah. which I think that has given opportunities to lots of people that didn't exist. So I think that's one of the positives. I will say this, and I'm happy to be saying this here on this platform here. It doesn't give them credence to be actors. No. No, no fucking way. And don't ever think you are actors, right? It gives it's something else. You're not actors. So when some of them think they can be actors, they can't because if you put a script in front of them, they might have been good when they were... There's a big difference. That's why I talked about going to... I went to a drama school. I went to this, I went to that. wasn't there very long, but I was always pushing along that path. Yeah. Every show has their actor and you should stay in your own lane because some people now in the industry, they're saying things like, well, how many, lo how many um, followers has he got? We'll have him in the film. But he's a shit actor. You can't have him in the film as a shit actor. You know, he's, he's not good. He, he can't really act, but he's got followers. Well, go down that path. But the, the academies and the studios and BAFTA and this, that, and the other, thank God we're still, we still hold on to what we've got. You can't just have someone telling you how to make money, um, just walk it on, their, on their phone and they're doing really well at it. Just walk into the city here and start dictating it. Nah, and you can see where a lot of them, where they go wrong. Well, they get you at it. So social media, it, a bit, you know, but things that are harmless, you know they're harmless and get, go for it. But no one, none of these, I, I think anyone worth their sort in social media, where they will say, they will say that, yeah, no, I do this. And, you know, and I love doing that. But what you do, Vass or Terry, that type of thing, I, it's not really for me. I don't no. really, I can't, couldn't really sit down and play a character, mm. metamorphosize and get into the role of that character. Because there's a lot to it. They're doing it in the moment. Right. And I know I'm extenuating a little bit on this, but it's very important. And the way I see it personally, they're doing it in the moment and they're setting it up. Whereas I will have to do something at home, regardless of what's going on with my children or you phone me up or something or my agent or my mum call me. I have to learn this character. And then I have to turn up on your film set that you've paid a lot of money for with other actors, production people, crew, and I have to wait, go to makeup, have breakfast, costume, wait for the moment, walk to the set, get on there, wait, 
sound running, action, do it. There's a, and that, that, that is a method. That took, and I knew I got the role three weeks ago. Right, right. right. Not now in a second. <laughs> I, like, I could walk out of here, right, and do something stupid and it gets 5,000 followers or 50,000 followers. Right. And I think I'm a superstar. You're not a superstar. Right. <laughs> You're not. Don't listen. And these people that own these companies, Instagram and TikTok, look at the state of what's his, that, that thing there with them. What's his name? Elon Musk. Look what he's done to a wonderful thing called Twitter. I don't even go on it. And it what, 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 then that new thing, Zuckerberg brought out threads and everyone went on it. And I went on it for a few minutes and that's it. Gone. I'm never going to go on that again. And I'm not, you know, you could, because it's what's going to happen in the next 10 years time and young people are going to do this. And I hope they take a little bit of what I'm saying here. It's going to change because a lot of it's rubbish. Because I'm telling you, you've got people, there's a lot of liars on that Instagram. A lot of lies. Well, it's all lies, isn't it? It's like, look at me, I'm having a great time. <laughs> You're not. I've got, an, I've got a new car. New car. I've got a new watch. I'm yeah. living a dream. Yeah. Look at me. And then people go, oh, I wish I... And I think that wish. also... Wish. I think that also... Uh, that's probably one of the main drivers of, of, of mental health. And, and I think well said, people, are, people are watching this shit and thinking it's real. And, and it's not, they, it's and not they, true. And they get upset. It's and not they true. think, oh, and it's like, you know, I, I only share stuff that I think is interesting. Right? Yeah. And I only share stuff. I'm not interested. In, I'm not. I, 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 if, if, if anybody ever watches any stuff that I do and think I'm bragging, I'm not. I'm just sharing stuff. No, that that's you. Fun. That's you. That is but, you. But, yeah. but yeah. the thing is, when I see yeah. other people, I just think, you like putting yourself on offer. You like going, look at me, look yeah. what I've got, um, yeah. and and then you, you're either saying, please come and rob me, or, or or you're just wanting people to hate on you. And 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 I think what the girls do, the girls, a lot of the girls, um, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, right? They all want to, you know, be treated well. They all want a nice bag. They want nice shoes. They want to go out to nice restaurants. They want nice things in life. And I think and I think what happens is people on social media use that because they, they go, we know, I know what you want, you can have what you want. So it becomes like a transactional thing. But I think, I think with, with both of us, where we've grown up and we've had children, we want to pass the values to the kids and also improve on the values. Because obviously, like you said, as you go down that road of life, you come up with things, you learn things, and then you go, actually, here's some free, free knowledge that I've learned. If you're, if you're say, like us, you get in your 50s, 60s and that, and you're really worried about that, I tell you what, man, you've got a problem. I wouldn't worry about that. Right. You are what you, yeah, don't worry about nothing. Yeah. Everything's That's good. Right. Once you, once you, we've done so much, Terry, you know, and if anybody comes to me and asks me for advice, I'll give it to them. Well, the thing is, you've, we've no done point. so much, yeah, Terry. We've got really done a lot, you know. We've got to be proud of ourselves, my brother. But, and, and people that are watching has probably wondered in the beginning of the, the, <laughs> the thing why I said, my brother from another mother. Now, I know we look alike because we're both bald. Yeah. <laughs> and we're both obviously we're amateurs. With great looks. Great looks. Great actors. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. but um, we also... we that we're good looking. We, we also yeah. shit. We also, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's obviously it's opinion, isn't it? It's opinion, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's, it's true. It's, it's, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, as they say. Um, but, um, but, but we do share a love of, you know, the same supreme being and... Um, Obviously, a lot of people don't know, but I mean, you. I see you got your ring on today. We're both Freemasons. Yeah, so um, you know, lots of people. Well, I don't. I don't really pr promote the fact that um, I'm on a square, but obviously, we do share that. 
Yeah, I mean, my brother's through that through yeah. through Freemasonry. So twenty five years, I've been a Freemason. Do you know what? It's really funny because when I became my my uncle in Jamaica is a Freemason, so mm. I knew it from back Jamaica and all of this and that. But he had nothing to do with me becoming a Freemason in England, and it's one of the best things I've ever done. But the strangest thing was, it's like. No way was it ever going to help me with acting. <laughs> no way. And I'm when telling you, everyone out there. But when did you, when did you, what was the calling for you? What Listen you? To, I, so I had a friend of mine, I've always lived in the same area. There's a friend of mine, James, and he owns a restaurant. Right. And he used to see me every now and then. He goes, oh, Vasta, Vasta, I have, he's from Lebanon. I have something for you. I have something. I had to say <laughs> Lebanon because of the accent. That's like, all right, James. Oh, Vasta, 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 I have something for you. I have something. I remember once saying to him, James, James, I'm an actor, right? You, you run a lovely restaurant. I'm always coming into your restaurant. Whatever you've got for me, it can wait, James. Don't worry about it. But I have something for you because he kept doing it as a winder. He wouldn't oh. tell me. And then one day I was in Blockbusters. Do you remember Blockbusters? Yes. That's right. And I'm, once again, you know, me, Arthur, please. I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't know what I'm going to get, Blockbusters. And he came into Blockbusters and said, Vasta, that thing I have for you here. And he handed it me and it was an application form for Freemasonry, right? But prior to that, I used to read anti-Masonic anti books right. and pro-Masonic books all the time. A lot of the anti-Masonic books as well. Right. More, actually. And I looked at that and I said, you know what? That's for me. I'm going to do it. Right. And I've never looked back. Wow. It, it, let me tell you something. So... 25 years ago, when I became a Freemason, I was initiated, because that's what we share. We've been initiated, right? So, and I've always said that the, the most important Freemason is the entered apprentice when you've just joined. Right. I think so. Uh, that's the structure. Two criteria for being a Freemason. One, you must not have a criminal record. And what we say, not stealing a bike when you're 14, 15, 16, or something like that. We're talking about serious things, as in like, um, you know, fraud, murder, rape, things like that, horrible things, bad things, right? Because every Freemason is proposed and seconded. So James gave me that form. He proposed me and someone else seconded me. Right. And you have to fill out, you have a proposal and a second, and we don't want to be embarrassed. So we're not going to bring someone, I'm not going to bring someone into Freemasonry where, you know, um, we deal for a lot of charity and, you know, they got done for embezzling like a company like for five million. I'm not going to do that. Do you know what I mean? Because say if they just sort of like fall back and then they end up doing something and then someone says, well, who, who brought him in? That type of thing. But anyway, and then the second thing is you can't be an atheist. So not have a criminal record, a very bad record, criminal record, criminal record and not be an atheist. And when I say not have a criminal record, can't be bad, is in like, we don't judge people. So if it was something that happened and it, you can discuss it and this, that and the other, you know, they might say, okay, that's okay. You're Because everyone changes and you have to believe in the supreme being. So you can't be an atheist. Because when a lodge is open, the Bible is open. The volume of the sacred law, we call it. And when the lodge is closed, that is closed. So we're not doing no hokey pokey stuff in between it. I mean, that was one thing that... Because when you go to court, sorry, Terry, when you go yeah. to court, what do they tell you to do? Put your hand on the... Bible. That's right. So it's, we call it the volume of the sacred law. So and one love thing I love about Freemasonry is that in lodge, I sit... So if you're, a, if you're, from, you're a Muslim, when you're being initiated, or when, if you're the worshipful master, we have the Koran. Judaism, you're covered. You have your cap on when you're being initiated. 
Christianity, King James Bible. So I can sit next to in lodge. I sit next to Muslims, Christians, um, all different forms of religions, Hindus, everything. But I know that when I come out of that lodge, I can't necessarily go into a synagogue and profess to be, or go into a mosque and profess to be, right. anything of that sort. So we stick together. We st we're not stick together. We stick together. We 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 are one. And a Mason once said to me, "If it wasn't for Freemasons, men would be eating each other." And I often think about that and I just think, yeah, it's not there's an order, but you listen, some people say, oh, some brothers say, I hate the police. I said, but listen, if you didn't have the police, you know, say someone comes around your house and this, that and the other happens and you're just sitting in your house, there'd be anarchy. Yeah. Yeah, they get it right. Yeah, they get it wrong sometimes, but for God's sakes, and you need the law. Yeah. The balance, the scales. You know, if you do something wrong, if you do something wrong, if I walk out of here and I do something wrong, I will expect that it's going to be caught on CCTV camera and somewhere along the line, right, I'm going to get a knock at my door because I've done something wrong. You've got to do good because, remember, there's still old people walking around on the street and they can't cope with it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. All the murders, so all, the, all the stress or someone riding their bike down the pavement and an old lady, it happened the other day. You know, this guy rode past us me and this old lady, and he, he shouldn't have been riding on the pavement. He's, looked at, he's looking back at me, and I'm looking at him, and he's looking back like, what? And this lady, the lady and I, we continued the conversation. She said, they do it all the time. They do it. And she was like, this woman was in her age, and she had a walking stick. They do it all the time. The joke is, they're looking at you as if you've done something. Yeah, yeah he's looking at me like I've done, <laughs> but I was looking, because I'm looking at him. He's like, why are you looking at me? Do you know what I mean? She's and, pathetic, but, but, yeah, and I had a lovely chat with the lady though, and I made a friend, her and I, and I oh, made her laugh, yeah. made her laugh. And she went <laughs> her way and I went my way, but your man there on the bike, do you know? But yeah, I, so I'm not, so masonry, yeah, masonry is just wonderful, but it doesn't help me in acting. Um, I'm an open Freemason. I'm happy to tell anyone I'm a Freemason. There's nothing strange or weird about it. But the, 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 the goat is a bit weird though, isn't it? There's no goat. There's no goat. No, there is a goat. When I went in there, when there is no goat, please, Terry. But no, but I I enjoyed it because I because because I got not the goat bit. There is no goat. Curry goat. Curry goat. Come eat some curry goat with me, Vasta Freemason. I can cook good curry goat. What is your signature dish in in your cooking? Oh, I cook everything. I love cooking, oh, boy. Oh. It, not just Jamaican, West Indian food. I could, I could go into a fishmonger's. Uh, um, I don't eat red meat anymore, but I, could, I can cook. I, I love cooking it, though. Right. I cook everything, Tell. And anyone out there and watching this podcast, if you want me to cook for you, just tell Terry, get in touch with me. No, Terry. no, listen, I'm, I'm on a, so I love Jamaican food, so I'm I'm, I'm, I'm doing anything, jerk chicken, anything for you. Either. Yeah, 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 I love my cooking. Cooking good. Cook, I mean, listen, it's, it's the source of life. But yeah, so I love my Freemasonry. It's funny because, as I said, but now, as I've got older, I've started to work out how it's helping me right. with my acting. Right. Yeah, it's starting to parallel it's itself. It's good for learning your lines. It's good for learning your lines. <laughs> no, because, because in Freemasonry, well, when, I've got, when I first started in the Freemasonry, they're like pushing me in this way, push, yeah, because he's an actor, he's an actor. Vasto, you're a Vasto, you'll have no problem with acting. Because we do ritual, right? But I had, to turn, I had to turn around and start telling them, listen, I'll get paid to learn lines. You ain't getting paid to learn no lines. And not only that, I'm not playing a character. 
I'm playing my, I am myself. So you're looking at yourself and it's deep. And I wasn't very good at first with the right. ritual. Yeah, I came up against a bit of a brick wall. And then it's all about changing and bettering yourself. And now, I, the ritual, man, is like drinking water. I love it. I love it. I do the first degree tracing board, which is seven pages. And I can do the second degree tracing board as my party pieces. But I learned that. I learned that because I wanted to learn it. And some of the stuff, you know, it's very like Shakespearean and old and everything. But it does a lot for me. I love it. I love for it. I do love it. And the people, the brothers that I've met, and I've travelled all over the world and got lodge meetings in America, Caribbean, Africa, lodge meetings. Mm. I tell you what, some... I went to the Rosemary Lodge, which is the SAS Lodge. Right. You have to, you have to, because we visit lodges, you have to have been in the SAS seven years to join the Rosemary Lodge. And I went to one, one I've visited them about three times now. And one of the visits, it was, we, we were dining, because we dine after, um, festive board. And I was dining, we were dining in um, Holborn. And uh, they, they have stewards, like they're, they're the younger masons or the newer masons that will do the pour the wine and everything. So, um, I don't drink alcohol, by the way. So he's just pouring me a water. And he said, um, he said, I, I was talking to a brother and this brother's pouring the one is, and I heard him say, isn't life amazing? Yesterday I was bagging bodies in Afghanistan. Today I'm pouring wine for Rory Breaker. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's a great line. Yeah, is it, <laughs> he's, he's sass because you've got some active at sass. And retired Sass at Rosemary Lodge. And he was, yeah, he was telling the truth. He had flown in from Afghanistan that morning, right? Just got back and he'd come to the lodge meeting. <laughs> Where for Rory Breaker? And I'll tell you what, I've sat next to these brothers, some of these brothers at Rosemary Lodge again, right? So there's a brother there and they say he's a spotter. He's written loads of books on spotting. I said, what's spotting? He said, well, do you know England? We once held the record for the longest shot, which was a mile. But the Americans have just won it just over a mile, right? A mile and a bit or so, right? They just got it recently, the record. They said, well, that shot is set up by the spotter. I said, really? He says, yeah. What he does, he goes behind enemy lines and lives in a hole. He lives in a hole, right? For six months, however long it takes for, for them to get the shot on the target. Because this person they're going to shoot is a bad fucking person and it's very hard to get. You know, they've got protection around them. Right. And this man sitting opposite me, he's, read, he's a spotter. He was in his sixth, he was in his like 70s, 80s. He's retired now, no more sass. But I'm looking at him thinking, and he's, so he's lived in holes and he gave Britain the, the longest, the, the mile shot. So he gives the, the shooter the coordinates. Just thinking, where would I have ever been? I'm blessed to be sitting with these people. And some of these old boys, you'd sit next to them on the tube and you'd think nothing. But if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't be sitting here right now right. doing this. I love it. I love Freemasons. The history behind it. And I, for instance, also as well, I like to say to people, well, why is he a Freemason conspiracy? No, no, no. Listen to this. I can like say, go, I'm going to New York next week to do a job, whatever. And I go, you know, I check in with Grand Lodge. I can visit that lodge. I've got my certificate, everything you can visit. You have to check in and make sure you can visit the lodge. So I go and visit that lodge. Now I know when I go into that lodge in New York next week, 
for instance, I'm thinking of buying a property in New York or do something. I know I'm going to meet someone who's, who's, who's in law, who's, who's um, a doctor, who um, owns a restaurant, who um, all the things I need. So I don't have to go into a bar or walk down the street and say, excuse me, mate, do you know where I can? So we're there. Oh, they're all there. And because I'm a traveling man, you must visit lodges abroad. When I'm a traveling man, they make a fuss over you. Because right. I've traveled all the way from and I'm here and, they, right. and they're wearing different regalia, but I'm still a brother. Right. And it's all a little bit different, but it's the same thing. And they give you your card when you're there, you know, that say, oh, call me, because how long are you in New York for? Three months. Right. Oh, I'll be going to more visits. So I'm, I, I, I'm with people that I trust, because as you get older, right, you'll realize that, you know, with all your, we have a saying, don't they, that we get mugged off a lot, because you learn from your mistakes. Right. But, you know, I sometimes think, I wish I'd joined it earlier. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, you're in a in a in a room with good it. people. Pardon? You know, you're in a wherever you go, you're in a room with good people. Yeah, because yeah, yeah and you never stop learning, and that's the thing about life. You never stop learning, and your spiritual growth is so important because the old with age comes wisdom. Yeah, not not like oh, my back's hurting me. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I can't be bothered anymore. I'm too old. No, no. You're actually. We call it. The, you know what the Rasta man calls a birthday, Earth strong. Right. So if you're 59 tomorrow, you're 59 earth strong. It's your right. earth strong. You're 59 earth strong years. You ain't weak. You're right. strong. You know what I mean? So with age comes wisdom and it also comes strength. Yeah. So, and, you know, and, and it's just like in certain societies that we live in where age is societies. But, you know, I've learned so much from Freemasonry, but it's taken time. It has taken time. At first... I was just a little bit like I was all over the place with it. Yeah, yeah. I was still a little bit like um, what we call the profane. I was a little bit like, you know, how I was. But I've kind of, I'm still, a, I'm still as I was, but I'm more appreciative of life. Right. And there's so much to learn. I mean, I've, I've, only, I've only been doing it for a short period of time. Yeah. And I've gone through the, 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 the important stages. Yeah. And what I took from it, it was just very spiritual, very charitable. Yeah. And uh, as I said, there, there was no goat. And, uh, no, there was no uh, <laughs> curry, curry goat. But you know what, Terry? I meet people all the time. And, I, and listen, I've, in the 25 years, I've brought five people in. Right. Well, maybe that's something ridiculous like that. Because I'm not very... I will talk about being a Freemason, but I'm not very good at... But I brought one of those five. Right. He now holds the record in my mother lodge. He's brought in about 30. Right. So in a way, I've done the job. Yeah, yeah absolutely. See, you know, and, I, and I meet so many people that I know would make good Masons. And I, meet, and I know... For instance, you do a lot for people yeah. and you, you know, and what you do, yes, you gain something for it, but other people are gaining from it as well. Yeah. And I think that's part of Freemasonry. That's what part of being think, a Freemason. Look, in so, life, in yeah. life, you want everyone to win. Absolutely. So you can't all win, but if you have the intention where you want everyone to win, then, you know, that's, that's a, the best way of looking for well, it. Well, anything and everything that you do, there's a holding hands effect. You're not, you can't just do it on your own. Right. So you get the right people around you and you all crack on and do it. Even doing this, yeah. you know, I've met new people here and doing this that, um, that I know I'm going to be friends with and continue to be friends with. So it's like each one teaches ones and that's Masonic as well. Yeah. But then I, I will say again, there are a lot of people, there'll be people watching something from me. Oh, like they, 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 they like, they harbour aliens in their ass. No, but you know, that, aliens that, I thought you said the, we weren't going to mention the aliens. And yeah, the the, no, but <laughs> I've got four aliens now. I'm putting them up at the moment. They're waiting for their ship to come back round and then they're off again. 
but um, I can't talk about them. But no, no, listen, you are, I am what I am. All you do know with me is that I try and stay in my lane. I stay in my lane and I don't follow nobody. Right. I'm not into following. No following, no. And, I, and, and, and if someone tells me something and I don't quite understand it and I'll ask a little bit, write it down and I'll go and try and get a book about it and learn right. about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't suffer fools lightly either. Do you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of, we are, as I said, with social media and the way life is at the moment, you're easily sold bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you're easily sold it. I'm not, saying, yeah. I'm not buying it. No, no, no. But I tell you what though, but basically I have a very, very good outlook towards life. I love people. I love, I've got pure love in my heart, man. And that's what I do. I do love life. I, I love think, it. I think you've, you've been fascinating to speak to today, Vass. I oh. think your story's been amazing. I think there's loads of stuff here that yeah, people yeah, will we, go, yeah, yeah. I didn't know they were Freemasons. We want a square. Carry <laughs> 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 go. Carry <laughs> go. Um, but, can, can you, but, but I want to say thanks for coming on the show. Terry, thanks We've for having me. had a great time, me. mate. Thank you so much. And uh, it's great hearing the stories and great hearing your views on things. Um, so that brings us to the end of another episode of the Criminal Connection podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe. Thanks to Vass Blackwood for coming on today. What a great show. Stay tuned for next week. We've got another great guest. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.